if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning. We continue now. Hour number two, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. It's Wednesday, the 13th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2021. My thanks again to John Cardillo for uh, a tremendous conversation last half hour about the phony impeachment of Donald Trump, part two. It is a part and a continuation of the, uh, the attempt to remove him from office since before he took office. And it is nothing less. They are hand-wringing, teeth-gnashing, and pearl-clutching over the events of January 6th. And while they were terrible, and while they cannot be defended, and why people who participated must be held legally accountable, and they are, that was not the reason they're trying to impeach Donald Trump on his way out the door. It's because it's what they pledged to do since before he entered the door four years ago. We've made very, very uh, specific uh, examples or given very specific examples and proof of that. That is what this is. Make no mistake about it. Now, to that point, you know, we're dealing with that now. Their impeachment uh, is underway. They are in the House right now, and arguments are being made, and there is going to be a vote, and then it is going to be handed to the Senate. The Senate is not going to be able to hold a trial and actually have this thing done before next Wednesday when the inauguration happens, which means all of this is pointless, period. A U.S. Uh, judge, a federal judge, has declared it is wholly unconstitutional, former U.S. judge, I should say, it's wholly unconstitutional to hold an impeachment after someone has left office. It applies, according to the Constitution, only to incumbent office holders, which he will not be as of next Wednesday. So this is all political theater and grandstanding on all sides, including Republicans who are joining the impeachment push. And that's not all of them, but there are some of them. And that's what this is about. By the way, Vice President Mike Pence, I'm glad I am not in his shoes. Vice President Mike Pence is taking it from all sides. He's taking it from Trump supporters who felt like he did have the constitutional authority to uh, essentially render the certification of the election last week on Wednesday uh, null and void and return it to the states the way President Trump said. Vice President Pence says, I do not have that constitutional authority, and he did not do so. And that led to Republican Trump supporters uh, to castigate him. Well, now Mike Pence is being asked to invoke the 25th Amendment by Nancy Pelosi and the left. 
And Mike Pence, being consistent, says, I don't have the constitutional authority to do that. So I'm not doing that. And now they, of course, are coming after him. So he's taking it from all sides, and I feel very badly for him. I think he's been loyal to President Trump. I think he has been, I, I, mean, I mean, like, you know, service dog to its owner loyal. And I don't mean that in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative way, in an insulting way. I mean, he has just been as loyal as loyal can be to President Trump and to the Constitution. Yesterday, he responded to Nancy Pelosi's call for the invocation of the 25th Amendment, saying this, With just eight days left in the President's term, you and the Democratic caucus are demanding now that the Cabinet and I invoke the 25th Amendment. I do not believe that such a course of action is in the best interest of our nation or consistent with our Constitution. Last week, he wrote, I did not yield to pressure to exert power beyond my constitutional authority to determine the outcome of the election, and I will not now yield to efforts in the House of Representatives to play political games at a time so serious in the life of our nation. As you know full well, Mike Pence wrote, the 25th Amendment was designed to address presidential incapacity or disability. Just a few months ago, when you introduced legislation to create a 25th Amendment commission, you said, quote, a president's fitness for office must be determined by science and facts. You said then that we must be very respectful of not making a judgment on the basis of a comment or behavior that we don't like but based on a medical decision, end quote. Madam Speaker, you were right. Under the Constitution, the 25th Amendment is not a means of punishment or usurpation. Invoking the 25th Amendment in such a manner would set a terrible precedent. So he's a thousand percent right. Constitutionally, the 25th Amendment is not applicable here. But the left doesn't care about the Constitution. If they did, they wouldn't have asked him to invoke it, And if they did, they certainly wouldn't be trying to impeach him now for a trial, a Senate trial that could not possibly take place before he leaves office one week from today. So that's just a little bit of backdrop on where we are. Right now they are uh, engaging in this ridiculous, ongoing fourth-year impeachment nonsense. They started it literally before he took office. The moment he was inaugurated, the Washington Post announced impeachment begins now. Literally on the Washington Post website, it was their heads, the lead story in their headline, impeachment begins now. So they started trying to impeach him on day one of his presidency, and they're going to continue it until the final day of his presidency next Wednesday. Now that's one story, and I do want to hear from me. The other big story that I want to talk about is this banning and censorship of conservative voices from, from uh, the Internet, from Twitter, from Facebook, from uh, Parler, the Parler app being deplatformed, all because of conservative speech, which is supposed to be free, by the way, but that is being twisted into meaning that conservatives are coordinating with one another on these platforms to plan violence. Number one, the overwhelming majority of riots and violence that have been uh, that have been uh, uh, taking place in this country have come from the left, from Antifa and Black Lives Matter, not from the right. And this uh, this terrible episode last week at the Capitol. Leftists are allowed to coordinate and communicate and plan their actions on Twitter and Facebook without any interference at all from the Silicon Valley tech giants. Conservatives can't even say, hey, who's going to the Trump rally? Hey, let's get on buses and go to the Trump rally, because then that is considered 
inciting and organizing to violence. And they have been kicked off of the social media platforms as a result. Which brings me to what I was discussing before the break. Back in 2017, the United States Supreme Court moved to buttress free speech rights in the digital age. They struck down a law that was passed in North Carolina, unanimously, eight to nothing, which banned convicted sex offenders from using Facebook and other social media that plays a vital role in in modern life. The court, in their eight to nothing ruling, handed a victory to Lester Packingham, a registered sex offender, and please make no mistake here, I am not in any way defending the convicted sex offender. I'm talking about a precedent set by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that even a registered sex offender who had a statutory rape conviction, um, who had challenged the North North Carolina law that said he's not allowed to use Facebook or Twitter or any of the other social media platforms, as a violation of the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment, guarantee of free speech. Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote for the court, this case is one of the first for this court has taken to address the relationship between the First Amendment and the modern Internet. As a result, the court must exercise extreme caution before suggesting that the First Amendment provides scant protection for access to vast networks in that medium. In other words... Putting that a little bit more directly, the Supreme Court absolutely must provide protections uh, via the First Amendment to people to access vast networks in that medium. The North Carolina law had been passed in 2008, didn't see its way to the Supreme Court until 2017. But what it did was it made it a felony for people on the state's sex offender registry to use online services that can lead to social interactions with minors. By the way, that sounds somewhat reasonable, doesn't it? But the case forced the justices to weigh free speech rights against a state's interest in protecting its citizens, specifically in that case from the sexual abuse of minors. It was was one of two victories for free speech at that time in 2017, with the justices in another case striking down a law that bans offensive trademarks. But we'll focus on this one. The fact that the Supreme Court said that a North Carolina law that denied access to social media from people that they think might be dangerous, indicates clearly that these conservative Trump supporters, who, by the way, are not convicted statutory rapists or of any other crime other than what is considered a crime in 2021, and that's supporting Donald Trump, that these individuals who have been convicted of no crimes and who only pose danger to others in the warped minds of leftists like Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, etc. These people cannot be denied access to these platforms. They are integral to allowing free speech to, uh, to reign in the United States. So I think there's a mass, you know, Parler, you heard it in our newscast, right? Parler has sued Amazon. Parler is going to win a massive judgment against Amazon and force them to restart the servers that Amazon, or uh, rather that Parler was using from Amazon to run their platform. And they're probably going to sue Twitter and Facebook as well for conspire, or not Twitter and Facebook, beg your pardon, Apple and Google for conspiring to remove their app from their, uh, their uh, smartphone services and tablets so that nobody can access Parler. You cannot deny people the right to free speech, even according to the Supreme Court, if you feel as though they may present a danger to other people. 
So it's a very warped situation in which we're looking at a law that was essentially provided sex offenders with the right to use social media, even though they may somehow contact minors, which is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But if they're going to allow sex offenders to use social media by way of the United States Supreme Court, then they sure as hell are going to have to allow Trump supporters who are in no way criminal whatsoever to use social media for their own purposes as well. All right, it's 1020. I wanted to get those two very important stories out to you before I go to your phone calls, but I see you there, and you're next. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1024, let's continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll try to keep you abreast of what's going on on Capitol Hill right now as the ridiculous, ongoing, four-year, ongoing attempt to impeach Donald Trump uh, continues. And that's what this is. Do not mistake this for anything else. Uh, we'll go to the phones now. John is in Chardon on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, John, go ahead. Hey, morning, Bob. Good morning. A, a friend of mine that I went to school with is married to a retired brain surgeon who worked at Bethesda Hospital in in, uh, Washington. In the early 70s, when Joe Biden was first elected to Congress, uh, she operated on him for a problem on one side of his brain. And then six months later, uh, she had to operate on the other side. Her conclusion at this point is that at best, uh, there is uh, little, uh, and at worst, (laughs) Biden has nothing left between the years. Well, I mean, you know, that's irrelevant now, John. You're right? I mean, he's taking office next week, uh, and, and that's the bottom line. And the only yeah. way that's relevant now, anybody who's evaluated him or, or you know, whether they've personally uh, um, treated him or evaluated him or they're just judging based on uh, things that they've seen and heard from him, the only way that matters now is if the Democrats use that argument to remove him and hand the reins of power to a full-on socialist like Kamala Harris. Yeah, looking ahead, you're right. Yeah, the time. Yeah, the time to determine that Joe Biden was mentally unfit for office, that his mental acuity had slipped so much that he cannot be trusted to make sound decisions in that place, was before the election. And we tried to make right. that argument, and you know, I think it. Well, I think it worked because I still think Trump, free of fraud, electoral and voter fraud, wins that election. But. Enough, uh, you know, tens of millions of, of Biden voters said, we don't care. Uh, we just want to get rid, get rid of Trump. They, they would elect a vegetable yeah. to get rid of Trump, much less somebody <laughs> like Joe Biden who just, uh, who, who, you know, who clearly yeah. is slipping. And by the way, I feel bad for the guy. No, I mean, most people do. And thanks for the call, John. Most people do feel bad for, for, uh, uh, Joe Biden. I do. I really do. It's not his fault. You know, you get older and some people slip into cognitive decline earlier than others. It's just that simple. And it's not, uh, you know, that's not an attack. I'll attack his socialism. I'll attack, or his leanings towards socialism. I'll attack his, um, uh, phony race baiting. I'll attack his, you know, commitment to the, the far left when he himself has tried to be a centrist most of his political career. I'll attack him for all of those things. I'll attack him for selling the influence of the Obama White House to China and Ukraine in order to enrich his son and himself and his brother Jim. I'll attack him for all of the above, but I won't attack him or make fun of him. I mean, I'll call him Dementia Joe to point out that I think he's got early onset dementia. But it's not an it's not an you know, an attacking or teasing or a bullying way. It's just to point out the man doesn't have it all there and it's not his fault. I feel bad for him. I feel even worse that um they're going to have taken him 
propped him up, made him their candidate, then tear him down and make him the first president to ever be removed because of literal incapacitation, literal inability to do the job, not just what they're trying to fake about Donald Trump. Todd is in Ward 1 on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Todd, go ahead. Yo, Bob. So, Yo, Todd. I, I'm, I believe heavily in maximizing the healthy pursuit of efficient government. So with that in mind, this, this is foolishness. <laughs> this is complete foolishness. And I know there's no less than 180 bills right now that have been introduced in the last, in the last few days in the House of Representatives that they really need to be working on. They need to be make they need to be making arguments with one another, building teams with one another, alleviating people from their team with one another to either get these bills forward or get them squashed. And I watched one congressman, I wish I'd known his name. I was kind of walking through the room and didn't look at the screen and did not look at the screen. But he said that his concern was that if we don't impeach him, he's gonna pardon these um these infiltrators. And right then, that caught my attention because I was thinking very much what you've been conveying. Well, even if that was true, that you wanted them to stop, you want to stop them from pardoning them, that ain't going to happen, so you don't need to vote for it. Because there's no means to, even if you wanted to impeach him, to remove him from office before, before that, that could happen. Be done. So if that's your argument, right. you shouldn't be there. You should be working. I, wish, I really wish I'd known his name because I would have looked to see what bills he was supposed to be working on, you know? And I sent a letter. I do know. And, you, and you know, and, and there, there's a ton of bills, like you said, 180, and I'll take your word for that. Uh, and I always appreciate how prepared you are when you make minimal. these phone calls. But, but the one that I want to hit the most, of course, is the, is the relief bill. Remember, the one thing that the, the, that, you know, the, the left wanted to do and too many Republicans wanted to do was, uh, increase that payment to, from $600 to $2,000 per person, but also give the 700 billion to foreign interest. Uh, how about the new Congress has sworn in now? How about we get to work on that? Uh, rather than than playing these phony punishment games, because at this point it's all about punishing a man that they decided they wanted to impeach four years ago on his way out the door. There is no benefit to the country at all with, uh, from this. I read the speech. There was no inflaming language in the speech. I saw bits and pieces of the actual speech when he was talking. There was no inflaming yeah. language there. I do not want the guy in office, but he committed no law, and he encouraged no law to be broken. And it's been stated numerous times already that these people were plotting this for a while. And not only were they plotting this for a while, they were plotting this for a while with the knowledge of uh, pertinent law enforcement that could have shut them down quickly. So with that in mind, um, if you want to really get this done and get down to the truth, then they should take more time to do so rather than rush through it. Because I repeat, there's no less. The 180 bills, and you are comp- this is a negative compromise to the healthy efficiency of government by doing doing this when they should be doing something else. I sent emails to my and, and the re- the reality of it is that that the reality of it, what you're saying, Todd, is right, and it would require um, bipartisanship. It would require unity. It would require Republicans and Democrats to sit down in their committees and start to consider these bills and decide what's going to the floor, et cetera, et cetera, and actually bringing themselves and thus the country together to some degree, which is what Biden has said he wants. 
And yet, what do they do? They sit here and do the exact opposite of bipartisanship. They partisan, well, other than the fact there are some Republicans who are on board with this, but it is something that is going to further divide the the partisan nation. Trump supporters are going to be livid about this. Uh, Trump haters are going to be cheering this, and the ongoing division continues, and that is not healthy for this country. Let me say this. Todd, I got a jet, brother. I appreciate it. I, I, call me back. Call me back tomorrow and we'll talk again. But I got a jet now and get to the news on 1420 The Answer. Welcome indeed, 1037. Final segment of the authority. I rather shouldn't, let me fix that. It's not final segment. Final 23 minutes of Outstanding Awesome in the authority. We do have another segment after this one. We're going to go right back to the phones. Before I, or uh, after I share with you a little reminder. I'm old enough to remember when challenging the validity of an election that you didn't like and demanding an investigation into that election was considered protecting democracy, not undermining it. Are you? Probably are. Because it wasn't that long ago. It was in May of 2017. Five months after Donald Trump was inaugurated, the Mueller investigation was born. On the eve of that investigation beginning, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi declared, actually she wasn't Speaker at that time, current Speaker, then House Minority Leader, Nancy Pelosi tweeted the following, Our election was hijacked. There is no question. Congress has a duty to hashtag protect our democracy and hashtag follow the facts, end quote. Don't you find that interesting? Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, who now want Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley removed from the Senate for daring to question the outcome of this election and to demand a 10-day investigation. That's it. That's all they wanted. They want these Republicans removed from the Senate for questioning the, uh, the outcome and the validity of this election. They wanted a 10-day investigation when Nancy Pelosi, four years ago, started a two-and-a-half-year, not 10-day, two-and-a-half-year investigation questioning the validity of the outcome of that election. Now, you tell me, Twitter, how did you allow that post that tweet to stay up. It's questioning our democracy. It's undermining our democracy. It is leading to chaos and division on Capitol Hill. Chaos and division in the American electorate. How on earth could you allow your platform to be used so irresponsibly? Now, I say that and ask that tongue-in-cheek because Nancy Pelosi had every right to make her opinion known. She was wrong. 
And she knew she was wrong. The Mueller investigation, two and a half years later, proved she was wrong. There was no collusion or collaboration or coordination between the Trump campaign and the Russians. None. And any attempt to create such a collusionary picture was proven to have been illegal and fraudulent and was, in part, run by the FBI and its former corrupt director, James Comey, and its subsequent corrupt director, Andrew McCabe. I want you to think about that for a moment. Nancy Pelosi tweeted that our election was hijacked. There is no question Congress has a duty to protect our democracy and follow the facts. Well, guess what? Republicans in Congress now say our election was hijacked. Fraud took place. There is no question. Congress has the duty to protect our democracy and follow the facts. Let us conduct a congressional investigation, bipartisan, for 10 days before we go and confirm and certify this election. And that is is called an insurrection. That is called um, undermining of our democracy. That is called sedition. Now, you think about that. And the next Democrat that you talk to that says the Republicans are doing this country a grave disservice by claiming the election was stolen, you show them the words of Democrats who declared the 2016 election stolen because of interference from the Russians. And especially, by the way, if you happen to have the phone number or the email address for Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown nearby, because Sherrod Brown wants Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, one of his colleagues, to be removed from the Senate because he dared to question the outcome of this election. But the Senate as a body needs to take action, and I I know Senator McConnell won't, but we should, if he's not going to resign, which of course they won't, they continue to be like Trump and take no responsibility for anything, even though we saw their words, we saw the picture of, of Hawley, um, who George Will said there's a huge chasm between his ambition and his achievement, uh, then uh, we should take action on expulsion. If McConnell won't get rid of him, and if he won't resign, we should take action on expulsion. What was Josh Hawley's crime, according to this Ohio senator who looks straight-up homeless? He does. I'm looking at him right now. He looks straight up homeless. No, never has somebody been more disheveled and disgusting looking like he just rolled out of bed and dressed, uh, slept in the clothes that, uh, uh, that he's wearing than this guy does. Anyway, <sighs> Sherrod Brown says that Josh Hawley's crime was to question the integrity of this election and therefore demand a, uh, a committee in a bipartisan committee investigated for 10 days and that should lead to the expulsion. Did he call for the expulsion? of Nancy Pelosi four years ago from the House? I I didn't think so. AC is in Cleveland. AC on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead. Bob, Hello, last Wednesday, yes, the 12 senators that had planned to challenge the certification vote had been disrupted by what went on in the Capitol during the afternoon. And they were forced to stay there and bring the certification to completion. And Mike Pence had it within his power to call for an adjournment until the following day when the senators would have been able to go home and had a good night's sleep. They were not afforded that opportunity. And the senators had 
from my understanding, they were, had been allowed up to two hours of opening arguments to challenge that certification. And everything That's was correct. rammed through and rushed. And, and Mike Pence had an extremely worried look on his face uh, for somebody that saw some of the television footage. He had an extremely worried look on his face. And if this thing would have been adjourned, then, you know, uh, it would have been a lot better. And Ted Cruz had wanted 10 days of time for investigation. Yeah, I know that. I've been and talking about that all morning. But, but here's the yeah, thing, AC. I mean, here's the thing. That, that was all, that, the, any effort to have that 10-day investigation started was crushed by the mob. The mob that went into the Capitol building and created the chaos crushed it. Because immediately the story was going to be what it was. That, that the Trump people went through those doors and created all of that chaos and, and, and started the riot that led to the death of a police officer and the shooting of one of the, uh, one of the protesters slash rioters or whatever you want to call her. All of that was because of the ongoing questioning of the election. And so there was no way Mike Pence or even Ted Cruz was going to say, we'll come back tomorrow after this riot and continue the argument that fired these people up and led to this. Now, I don't believe these people were led to there by, by that argument. I don't believe they were led to do this by uh, President Trump or incited by President Trump. We all know the facts. We all right. know the speech. Right. We all know what the president said. They were led there, in my opinion, by agents provocateur from the left who were there to incite and start that. But the bottom line is it happened. And the bottom line is a few hundred Trump supporters, not just Antifa, but Trump supporters did, including the woman who was shot, follow them into that building and created all kinds of chaos, thus killing any chance Cruz, Hawley, or anybody else may have had to make their argument and get a, 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 an investigative commission formed. So once that riot happened, my friend, it was over. There was nothing Mike Pence or anybody else was going to be able to do about that. Well, it's Again, if, if I was a senator there and my efforts would have been disrupted, I would have wanted to come back the next day. No, no. Nobody had the appetite, appetite for that the next day. After watching the, the, the riot, there's no way they had an appetite to go out there and continue arguing for what, again, the story was going to go was perpetuating that riot. Uh, I do understand what you're saying. They never got their chance, AC, and I appreciate the phone call. But that wasn't Mike Pence's fault, and that wasn't uh, Mitch McConnell's fault. That was the fault of the rioters and those who joined in with the, uh, uh, you know, with the Antifa and others that provoked the entire thing. It was their fault, and they, sh- they absolutely are going to have to bear blame for that. It's hard, and I'm not going to justify it, ever. Like I've said a billion times, I will never justify BLM riots. I will never justify the smashing of windows by Antifa, and, then, uh, and, and I will never justify uh, those things happening by Trump supporters in this case. Uh, the president has gotten a raw deal here. And so have, uh, you know, many of his supporters. In fact, if there were three, four hundred thousand of them in that crowd and only a few hundred of them went through the windows, all three hundred thousand are demonized. And that's terrible. And in fact, I'm demonized. You're demonized. You weren't even there. Neither were I. But if you have Trump support on your social media timelines anywhere, you are going to be canceled and you are going to be threatened as well because of that event. Chuck is in uh, North Ridgeville. Hi, Chuck. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. How you doing there? Good, good, Chuck. Uh, you've heard the term national socialist, yes, sir. Okay, the Germans have a term for it: Nazi Nationalsozialistischen, right. and there's an acronym. Uh, 
N-A-Z-I. Right. These people are going to do anything they want, spying on a campaign, spying on an administration, uh, fixing an election. Uh, they have Bernie as the head of the finance committee. Now, imagine the impending disaster. So if you think they're sycophants, all these tech companies are going to listen to the Supreme Court or any other court, you are dreaming, my friend. Um, I think you're right. Uh, that is very true. Uh, although, you know, there, there is going to be a trial. There are going to be cases. I think at the end of the day, and, and thank you for the phone call, Chuck. I think at the end of the day, um, there is going to be an outcome here um, that is the best that we can hope for as it pertains to our ability to be heard, the ability to speak on this. Um, and that is going to be that the Internet... Social media sites are going to be declared public utilities, just like the phone company is. And as such, it's going to be regulated and is going to be stopped from discriminating. The phone companies cannot discriminate. A phone company cannot discriminate against users because people may make phone calls that they dislike. In the same way, I believe that's going to happen here. So, you know, you say the sycophants aren't going to change anything because of the Supreme Court. You're right, but eventually the Supreme Court is going to hear this and they may force the sycophants to change because, like I said, uh, it is going to be declared a utility. To your Nazi point, which is the first thing I wanted to speak to, um, a friend of mine texted this to me yesterday, and I think it's spot on. As you know, he said, when Hitler took power, he placed a commissar in every single newsroom and radio station in Germany. Someone to regulate what can be said and what can be broadcast, what can be published. The tech giant's algorithms is, are the new commissars. I found that an interesting analogy, especially because you just brought it up about what the Nazis were and, uh, and how they had certain people in certain places. Uh, it's the exact same message I got from a friend yesterday, and I think you're both correct. Um, it could be the algorithms, and again, like you said, Bernie Sanders is going to be a pr- in a prime position to uh, enact and engage and support those socialist policies. Thank you, my friend. Let me get another one before the break here. Medina, Matthew, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Matthew. Good morning, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. What I have to say won't take too much but uh, time of yours. And uh, yesterday's mail came, and there was some, uh, it was from the, um, the American Centers for Law and Justice. Right. And what's happened in California, they have put a clamp on no more singing in church. Yeah. You knew about that? Yes. And it's not just in California. It's not just in California. Because of the orders from the health department in Ohio, the Catholic Church, and I'm a Catholic, it doesn't mean this was ordered by the uh, the health department, but because they say that shouting and screaming or singing projects your potentially germ-infested droplets further, the Catholic Church won't let us sing. Uh, you know, so we, we go to Mass, and you have to sit there behind a mask, six feet apart from everyone else, yeah. and we are denied the opportunity to lift our voices unto the Lord as, you know, is, is, you know, is, is part of church services. Uh, and so, yeah, the state, uh, it is a clear First Amendment violation by not letting people practice their religion as they see fit, indeed through song. You know, I knew this was coming, Bob, and uh, I've sang in, in choir. I'm Catholic, too, and I sang in choirs at first, ever since I was a young guy, right after I got married, when I was 25 when I got married. 
and we we never had any problem. And I don't remember anybody ever spitting in my face when they're singing. You know, this thing is so phony; it no. makes me sad. <laughs> it, it is all of the above, and that's that's what makes it so aggravating. And 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 you know infuriating to be honest with you matthew and thank you for the call sir um it, it, they're using the virus and the pandemic as an excuse to enact long desired policies to strip us of the right to do the things that they don't like us doing um and, and by way of the first amendment that's why they're banning gatherings that that is a violation of the first amendment right to free assembly they're banning uh, singing in church that's a violation or the number of people filling a church to freedom of, of religion. All of these things that they are doing is something that they have long wanted to do, and now they have an excuse to do it. It's called the pandemic. Uh, and I saw it coming, too, my friend. Thank you. Right back after this. Okay, final segment, 1056. We'll get a couple more here if we can. Tom and Medina will be up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Tom. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I'm, my worry is the FBI. The FBI didn't didn't do anything to, to go in and investigate the voter crime in the in the elections. But I I thought I heard the FBI guy investigating this capital uh, chaos stuff. I thought I heard him say there weren't any Antifa there. That scares me. What do you think? I did not hear that. Where did you hear that? Who was this individual? I, I, I don't know. I, I The guy that talked about the head of that, the investigation. Christopher Ray? No, no. You're no, talking about Christopher guy, Ray? Oh. No, no. It's the guy that's in charge of the FBI investigation of the Capitol. It's not the head, not oh. the head FBI guy. Like okay, gotcha. No, I did not hear. I did not hear that declaration that there were no Antifa there. Um, I w- if that is what he said, uh, I would absolutely want to hear some context about that because that is simply impossible. Um, if you recall, <clears throat> uh, the day after that all went down, um, there was a company that was hired by, and I read this in the Washington Times. I read it on the air too. Uh, hired by, I well, I can't say who is hired by, but a company that ran the videos through their facial recognition software and identified individuals there uh, and by, by that software in other places, including BLM and Antifa events, where they were you know, supporters of this. So uh, there is some scientific proof here, software scientific proof here, that there were members of Antifa that were there and that many of them were driving this. Now, it doesn't mean they were exclusive. There were also far-right nut jobs who might have been responsible for carrying zip ties as if they were going to take hostages and there were far-right nut jobs who do not represent trump supporters like you or me who may have been responsible for the pipe bombs there were bad actors that created an unholy you know circle of events here and it's like a perfect storm of tragedy uh that took place here there were far left nuts and there were far right nuts and then there were just the innocent trump supporters there to cheer on the the, the senators as the president said and they all get swept up in the blame and that's uh that's wrong but i'm glad you brought it up thank you for the call tom i will look it up to see who that fbi investigator was who said there was no antifa there and find out what evidence he is using to make that claim all right, that's it. That's all the time we've got. Sorry if I left you on hold. Uh, thanks to everybody running the show. Thanks to John Cardillo, my guest on the show. Thanks to you for listening to the show. We'll continue to search for truth tomorrow morning at 9. For now, stay here for Mike Gallagher on AM 1420, The Answer. Bye-bye.